Hello, I'm Arvind Hickman and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. Recently, more than 800 of the media industry's finest attended the annual Media Week Awards at the JW Marriott Grosvenor House Hotel on Park Lane. Today, I'm joined by campaign reporter Shauna Lewis and two of the winners to discuss the evening and some of the work that caught everyone's eyes. Now, some of the big winners on the night included ITV, Channel 4 and MGOMD. Karen Stacey, who's the chief executive of the cinema ad sales house DCM, picked up the Media Owner Leader of the Year Award, while MGOMD's CEO Nat Bell scooped Agency Leader. However, joining us today are winners of two of the most coveted prizes in the industry. We have two live judging days each year where minivan full of media and agency chiefs go to different offices to see our shortlisted businesses in a live presentation. This year, we had some brilliant presentations, including a Star Wars themed cinema takeover. Thank you very much, Pearl and Dean. And we were taken to the top level of London's Shard building, uh, courtesy of MGOMD. There was also live music hip hop act at UMHQ and plenty of other creative and inspiring presentations. Joining us today is Laura Fenton, the Chief Executive of OMD UK. Um, Now, her agency won Agency of the Year, and Laura has led OMD UK for the past two years. Uh, Some of the feedback on why she won, um, judges judges are really moved by their presentation and how she managed and her team managed to reflect the diversity of the business and how they illustrated the narrative of their success in the past year, getting people from different backgrounds and different experience levels involved. Uh, Also joining us is Damon Reeve, um, who is the CEO of our sales team of the year, uh, the Ozone Project. Now, Damon, a fellow Aussie, um, has an extensive uh, ad tech background and set up the business four years ago. Our judges were really impressed with the innovation results and the broader purpose of the Ozone Project, which aims to improve transparency in digital advertising and provide a premium ad platform in partnership with several leading publishers. Welcome to you all. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks, Arvin. And congratulations, Laura. Yeah, and to you, Damon. Fantastic. Now, before we move on to the Media Week Awards, um, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 9th of November. um, And there's been a lot of news that that has happened in the past week and a bit. Uh, As you are all aware, or should be aware, um, Elon Musk has taken over Twitter um, and made quite a number of sweeping cuts, including top executives, uh, such as the CEO, Parag Agrawal, uh, COO Ned Siegel, uh, and Twitter's ad sales chief, Sarah Persnett, has also left the business. Uh, We understand, and I've got Shauna here that fills in with some details, that uh, Twitter has probably cut around half of its global workforce, uh, including uh, support functions such as marketing, communications, and other areas. Uh, And this, you know, sadly includes a number of people in the UK. Um, and actually just today, about an hour or so ago, um, it broke that Facebook also plans to cut around 11,000 staff today, which is about 13% of its workforce. Now, Shawnee, you've been working on this um, in the background and trying to get a few insights in terms of what's going on. What have you sort of gleaned from the people that you've spoken to about some of these cuts? So I think um, we've reported on quite a bit of it so far, like the um, EMEA, like a marketing director leaving and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think from talking to people in the industry and stuff, um, it's like kind of the comms team and the marketing team that have largely been laid off. But although you mentioned that the head of the ad sales has left, the ad sales team is kind of largely intact from what 
um, we've gathered. And so the ad sales team talks about agencies and advertisers. And so the people that we talked to have mentioned that um, a lot of their job at the moment is kind of reassuring those agencies, reassuring their advertisers that there is still a team to kind of, you know, implement all the things they need to implement. Yep. And um, like 80% of it is still there. Um, but obviously 80% was kind of like a kind of guesstimate from the people we talked to. Mm. Um, and then someone else mentioned that um, it kind of feels like the layoffs they had in 2016. So although this is receiving like so much attention, um, it is something they've kind of dealt with before. And although, yeah, there's a big human aspect to it, as you're obviously seeing people uh, losing their livelihoods and things like the mood at Twitter HQ um, from the people I talked to seems to be quite determined in that they do believe they've got a product that they think is worth saving, mm-hmm. which is quite a nice positive spin on it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think um, they're kind of at the moment it's kind of waiting to see what direction Musk is going to take it in. Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like there's still quite a lot of uncertainty in, in terms of that future direction. Uh, and uh, I mean, I don't know if he's got some sort of magical plan just yet. He's only had the business for about a couple of weeks. Um, but I'm sure, you know, he's quite a clever guy. He will have his ideas and it'll just be interesting to see how they sort of play out. Now, that international marketing director you mentioned, Nima O'Reilly, she's one of the top uh, sort of marketing execs, um, I believe, uh, at Twitter globally, and probably uh, probably the most high profile that I'm aware of yeah. that has um, left um, her role or is to leave her role in this market. Um, I mean, what the sense that I get just by talking to different people, um, you know, some internally um, and some externally, um, is that Twitter for a while now has had this sort of Musk takeover cloud hanging over them and it kind of impacted morale because nobody really knew what was going on. And, you know, over the weekend when he made all of his cuts, it was obviously very sad. You, you know, the Twitter folks that I know, the ones that my contacts, the ones that I've met are all really lovely, smart people. So there was that you know, initial shock and sadness. Um, but as you mentioned, which sounds positive, but, you know, they've got some resilience and they're really looking to, to save that business and, and you know, uh, and, and, and transform it. Uh, Damon, I just wanted to sort of bring you in here because I know you sort of have quite a bit of experience in ad tech and, and digital publishing and that sort of stuff. I know what you do isn't the same as Twitter. I'm just interested to hear your views about this. Well, now, we've seen several large advertisers, including General Motors, Pfizer, um, and the confectionery giant Mondelez. They've already hit pause um, due to some brand safety concerns. What do you kind of make of it all happening so far and, and, and what this kind of means for advertisers at this stage? Um, I, I think the I think it's easy with, with so much uncertainty and volatility, and and I guess you you have an individual who takes over what is a pretty large business, uh, and then making such drastic kind of changes um, so quickly. Uh, I guess that just creates a huge amount of uncertainty. Um, I'm not surprised that a lot of brands are wanting to hit the pause button just to kind of make sure that. Uh, before they do spend, um, it's an environment that they want their brand to be in. Um, I don't, so so I think that that's not unsurprising. Um, I also don't really see in the, uh, and and I guess one of the benefits of someone like Elon Musk buying Twitter means that he can afford to take those kind of make those decisions um, and afford those kind of losses in a short term. I I. I would expect that they will produce a product that is brand safe um, that does. Uh, work for brands and you'd see most of those brands probably re reactivating I would have thought but um, until that's clear in terms of 
what the plans are and what the product is going to look like and they are investing in brand safety, um, then I guess advertisers quite rightly will pause uh, until they have that reassurance. Yeah, and I guess especially when you think about you know the broader macroeconomic conditions, as it is, I'm sure there's lots of marketing budgets that are under review, thinking about you know a looming recession, that sort of thing. I think it's also interesting, um, Damon, if we look at the business model of Twitter as well and, and how um, how Musk wants to potentially change that with the blue checks and verification and and trying to add a bit of subscription revenue to to you know a business model. I think it's about ninety percent advertising at the moment. Yeah. Um- I mean, it'll be interesting. This is probably one of the first forays into a free consumer product um, looking to uh, move into the subscription space. Um, I, I, I'm not a heavy Twitter user, so I, 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 I wouldn't know what that experience looks like. I suspect a lot of people are not going to go for, I think it's $8 a month or something like that. Um, but um, I, I just think there's, it's too uncertain. I think we, we, we there's a lot that needs to play out before people can see what the changes they're going to make are, um, then actually see those rolling out and the the impact that that has on usage and um, you know and again you you let a huge number of people go. A lot of those people are in roles that probably ensure editorial integrity and brand safety, and everyone's going to be looking at that before it becomes an advertising environment that. The vast majority, or uh, you know, feel comfortable with. So I think that there'll just be a period yep. of time where uncertainty will mean that they're going to have depressed revenues until they can demonstrate that it's a, a good product. I, I fully expect they will. Um, I just have no idea what that's going to look like. Yep. Okay. And, and just a bit of context. Obviously, it's not just Twitter. I mean, Twitter has its had its problems for a while now in terms of being profitable and generating the sort of revenues that some of its social media peers um, have achieved. Facebook cutting thirty percent of the staff. Also, that's quite a it's quite a significant cut. But Mark, in, in announcing it to his staff, he did say that he got a little bit optimistic in terms of how things were going during the pandemic and kind of expected that same trajectory. But what he has observed is that it's not quite worked out that way. And you know, the amount of money that's going towards some of these digital platforms um, pre-pandemic, those, those sorts of trends are returning. So I, I guess it's, it's, it's interesting on that front to see how this plays out for all of the tech guys, uh, sorry, the tech platforms going forward. Um, obviously, there's going to be a bit of uncertainty short term, um, but you know a lot of them are very strong advertising funded businesses. So I, I, I would probably expect them to come back um, probably a little bit more streamlined and, and probably a little stronger. Right. Let's move along to the Media Week Awards. Now, sadly, I was unable to make it. Um, I had a horrible week where I was just off ill for it, uh, which is really frustrating. Since it's probably one of my favorite events of the year. However, um, we have some very smiley winners looking at me. And also we have Shauna, who's, it was your first Media Week Awards, wasn't it, Shauna? It was, it was my second, actually. Was it? I don't know, because I just, I just joined last year when I went but last year I was very overwhelmed okay. and I didn't know anyone whereas this year uh, this year I actually knew people you knew the ropes this year Shauna yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> I could actually say hello to people this year which was good um well what did you like about this year's uh, were there any highlights for you in particular I think knowing people was a big one okay. um but then um there were some like beatboxes on stage which I really enjoyed did you guys see they those? were amazing they were we were trying to we were trying to work out what events we could create so that we could book them. Same. <laughs> would, you like to, would you like to give um, some of our listeners an example of the beatboxing that we're doing? Shows? Absolutely not. That's it. Yeah, that's a different remit, Arvind. Um, but yeah, no, it was really good. And I think looking at the work as well, and then seeing like 
how happy people got. There was um, that was that was nice. It's always nice to see people overjoyed. Yeah, it was good. I had a really good time. About you, apart from maybe apart from your wins, I suppose that would be the highlight of the night for yeah. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me, um, it felt like a, although we all could do it in person last year, I think there was still quite a lot of caution pervading and you could certainly still see the, like I guess that pandemic um, caution in the work as well, I felt last year, whereas it felt like this year was like a proper return to the media week awards that we know and love, like the, the, the kind of the mood and the spirit in the room was amazing, like pre, during and post. And I think the work definitely is pushing back up to, you know, the standards that we all kind of want to set to it for ourselves in terms of proper creativity and innovation, invention. I know we'll come on to talk more about it, but um, I mean, I'm always going to say it was a brilliant night because we won agency of the year, but irrespective of that, like the vibe and the mood in the room throughout was, was awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it was a great, uh, just general good, goodwill um, across the, uh, across the room. I mean, for me, um, well, if I spent the first half being nervous, um, which is not really like me, but we felt like we were punching above our weight to kind of be in the, the categories that we were. So we're over the moon at, at winning both the ones that we're in. And then I spent the uh, second half buying bottles of champagne. <laughs> As you should. Um, Damon, Ozone won sales team of the year and media brand of the year. Take us through the journey to get to your win. Maybe, you know, how did you impress the judges? maybe without giving away too much so that other people uh, win next year. I don't know. Like, how did you get that? Uh, how did we get there? Well, the sales team of the year um, award is, is that's, that's for us, the real coup. That's where you've got to pitch and you've got to, you know, do your thing and present your wares and expose yourself to kind of the, the panel, um, which is a little nerve wracking. Um, uh, I think, uh, I, well, I, I want to say, I think we did a good job. Uh, we did the best job that we could have, um, and I'm really happy with um, getting the award. I think that that's the one that we put on, put put all of the energy and effort in, uh, and I guess articulated, you know, the the business that we 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 now have and and that we've created and the journey that we went on. Um, I mean, it's been a uh, I, I'd say for Ozone, it's been a steady growth. I still think of us as a pretty bit of a startup. I mean, it's four years old, so it's still got a long way to go. Um, uh, but I think a lot of the sort of the values and the attributes of the business speak to a lot of the, I guess, topics um, that are really important to brands, also to publishers, um, but I guess topics of the day. So brand safety, transparency, um, uh, you know, investment in an open and sort of democratic internet. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why what Ozone is doing um, resonates, um, but it's not always easy to execute against a, a plan. So, so far, um, we're kind of really happy with the Sales Team of the Year Award and the Media Brand Award, but particularly Sales Team of the Year because we demonstrated, I guess, to the judges that um, we're delivering on that promise. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I, I remember after your presentation, we had a bit of a discussion in, on in the minivan with, with judges and just just about what sort of stood out, and and they were all very impressed um, by your team and and how it seemed really together, but but also by the the journey to get there. Um, Hamish Nicklin from Dentsu, he kind of mentioned that there were quite a few rough years earlier on um, when you were trying to get this business up and running. Perhaps perhaps it would be good to give us a bit of context in, in terms of some of those struggles you had early on and, and how things have really transformed for you in more recent times. Uh, I think the, the, probably the, the point that Hamish was specifically making was 
Uh, the, my my board is the four CEOs of the four newspapers, so the Guardian, Telegraph, Reach, and uh, uh, News UK. Um, that's that's not an easy group to um, get around a table, a line, and kind of point in one direction. But but actually, fair play to them, they they were aligned around a common purpose, um, uh, which was you know the 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 reason why we created Ozone in the first place um, as a a trusted alternative that had that platform scale to reach you know audiences that are on, uh, otherwise you know quite difficult to reach um you know you know sort of brand safe way etc um uh, so i think yes there were struggles um you know when you create something new and you sort of landed in the middle of an existing uh media kind of ecosystem um that's going to kind of rub up against sort of the ways in which things are done in the past and challenge um in a lot of different areas but you know, I guess patience and persistence and knowing that we're doing this for the right reasons uh, means that, you know, eventually, um, you know, for the most part, you overcome most objections and you start working with people and they see you as a partner rather than a sort of a foe. Um, and then, you know, from there, you then are able to build and you have the right foundation. So nothing's ever easy when you kind of start something from scratch and do something in the way that we have. Um but it just required a bit of patience and persistence. Yeah, I guess the stakeholder management aspect is a really interesting point, isn't it? Because you're sort of an ad platform across inventory for all of those, all of those really well-known news brands. So in a way, you're almost competing with them to some level to their internal sales teams. I mean, they probably don't look at it that way anymore. But there is that tension there, isn't it? You really have to manage those those stakeholder relationships and really prove your worth to to, to get that sort of buy-in. Yeah, absolutely, and and that was very much. Uh, um, a bigger concern early on um, for a lot of those individual businesses than it is today. Um, but on the other side, even though they're our shareholders and sort of primary stakeholders, we don't exist without Laura and you know the the buyers um, actually engaging with Ozone mm-hmm. and and kind of working through us. Um, so um, you know there's stakeholders on both sides. Um, but um, I, again, I just think it it just requires knowing that you're doing the right thing uh, and having the patience and persistence. Now, now, Laura, there was a lot of really strong candidates, not just in, in media owners, but also in agencies. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts about what Damon and his team um, have achieved um, at Ozone in recent years and, and how much more they're getting traction um, among buyers and planners. Yeah. I mean, I think Damon and his team have done an incredible job, which was like very rightly recognized and rewarded on, on the night. But I think, you know, the work that Ozone do is now very well recognized. It's very well, the narrative is very well told and understood within agencies. It's a narrative that people feel comfortable to talk to clients about, and they certainly understand what it means when it comes to kind of planning and buying. So I think, and that, you know, that's been a real journey over the last few years, hasn't it, Damon? And I think, you know, it was, you know, it's, it, it can be difficult um, to um, get that like a really clear narrative into agencies. I, I understand that, you know, there's lots of there's lots of um, kind of messages and products like all, all the time trying to make their way in. And I think what um, the Ozone Project has done is just just really cut through that with something really clear and really simple and compelling that people very quickly kind of see the benefit and the the kind of USP of it, I suppose, when we're, when we're talking to clients. And if people can see that, then it will really quickly infiltrate into the way that we plan, the way that we buy. Yeah, just 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 curious, and this is more about the night itself. I, I remember when you guys presented 
uh, yeah, Craig Tuck was was quite emotional. And <laughs> we, had, we actually joked. We actually joked in the, in the minivan afterwards that he might have to be uh, stretched off the stage <laughs> if you guys did get up. Um, I'm just curious how, how did he how did he go after after it, it was an, if you guys discovered that you won. Elated. Uh, we've actually got a photo of Craig uh, jumping for joy, and um, I think he's about six foot in the air. Um, holding the award so um, yeah over the moon <laughs> Laura just bringing it to your win um, how did your team react and like as well like with Damon earlier like how did you how did you get there without maybe giving away too many of your secrets and all that but, well I guess the, the bit of context that I would give is um, this was the 13th time that OMG UK has been shortlisted for agency of the year and the 7th consecutive year <laughs> so when you talk Damon about patience and persistence I was like nodding uh, along uh, furiously you can't see that on a podcast <laughs> but um I definitely recognize that so I think look it, it felt like it was a really magical moment for us because we've been there a number of times there's been other years where we felt we've had a really strong winning story and like you know the brilliant thing about our industry is the strength of the talent the you know the strength of the the, you know, the agencies and the media owners that are out there. And in previous years, like someone else has always just edged it or pipped us to the post. So it was, um, it was a pretty incredible feeling sitting there thinking, is it going to be this year? Could it be this year? Like, we, you know, we all felt like we had a really, really good story, but you never know. Like everyone's very good at keeping, you know, keeping a lid on like who's going to be the final winner. Um, so it just felt like an amazing feeling. I think for me, like, you know, we'll probably come on to talk about it because I know Arvind in your setup, you talked about, you know, the way in which we pitched agency of the year was very much about the team that we built at OMD UK. And, you know, that it is a very diverse, very authentic team and we work really hard as an agency to allow people to just um like be their real authentic selves in everything that we do and we definitely followed that through into the like the agency of the year presentation on the day and it also meant that we had a like a massive bunch of people with us on the night like you know you know some of them very early in their careers some of them like me who've probably been in each of those 13 agency of the year pitches um like very very excited and elated and it you know just it felt like a uh, a real crowning moment for us as an agency and something that we've worked towards for a really long time. It's a really good point, actually. You talk when you say that you wanted the diversity of your team to show and shine, and that really did sort of come through. That was, you know, the, the judges' feedback. Probably a really good bit of advice to other people who want to present um, that it's it's important for people for the judges to see um, different experience levels, different backgrounds, different thinking. Um, and to see that sort of togetherness, um, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think that just when you're making these decisions in an agency about who you're going to put forward, it's always a bit of a balancing act between you know you kind of know you're going to be working on your story and your pitch till kind of normally till the last minute. So it's making sure that that's always the payoff is that there's a kind of a more straightforward route, I suppose, where you go for your senior most seasoned team. But um, yeah, I think you know, agency of the year is about celebrating everything that your agency is and everything that your agency stands for. And reality is day in, day out, the experience that our media partners, our clients, you know, the industry has of our agencies is not just that most senior season team. It's everyone and everything that sits within it. So, um, yeah, that's what we were keen to do um, in the presentation. Yeah, and, and another really impressive thing is is also if you look at the competition because uh, yeah, MG OMD um, they won it last year and they also won a number of awards this year. Um, how did how did your good mate Nat Bell, um, who's the CEO of MG OMD, take it? <laughs> oh, 
do you know what? I have to say it was one of my favorite moments. I mean, Natalie and I are very close um, and, you know, support each other in, in lots of different ways. I was absolutely over the moon for MG. You know, they did an I mean, they did incredibly well on the night. They wouldn't have left feeling at all disappointed. Natalie herself won media leader. They won like endless amounts of gold awards. They had an in- incredible night. But the, you know, it, it one of the special things about the moment we won is that MGMD had three tables there and they all gave us a standing ovation and clapped us on our way up to the stage. And that's what, you know, that's what, you know, real partnership is. So, um, yeah. There's no, there's no, there's uh, Natalie and I always kind of, uh, she's a good running partner to have because I think we both like set a high standard that, you know, we're kind of pushing each other all the time to make sure that we're always doing better. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, the whole shortlist was very strong, to be honest. It it was a very, very tough field. And I have to say also the same with media owners, Uh, the judging uh, panels uh, and the deliberation afterwards uh, was not straightforward. There wasn't really any clear winners. There was a number in each of the categories. And yeah. I, th- I think you know the really good choices were made, but yeah, you have to be impressed by the the level um, of competition that that you guys have uh, beaten. Now, I just want to move on to the work because um, obviously that's a, you know, a big part of, of any awards um, event. Uh, Damon, uh, what what work have you guys done in the past year that that really stood out? And and I'd also ask you if there's anything else that you saw on the night that might not have come from from Ozone that caught your attention. I think the the <clears throat> what's often um, uh, the, a huge amount of the work that Ozone does um, is actually supporting publishers with technology and tools um, outside of the advertising um, revenue that we generate and the engagement that we have with Laura and, and media agencies and brands. Um, and so I think the the role that we play for publishers in supporting their business um, as much as um, the the media. Um, side of the business is really important, but it's it's the one that's almost invisible in some respects. Um, it's stuff that we do behind the scenes from a technology point of view to help publishers control data, control sort of the flow of, of business um, outside of Ozone um, uh, from, an, from a media uh, revenue point of view. So I think it was good to um, highlight that in the kind of the work that we do. I think most of the uh, investment that we've made, more than half of our team at Ozone are actually in product and engineering roles, um, which is again something that sort of is sort of missed. I think we've sort of thought about as being a, a media proposition predominantly in the industry. Um, so I think um, part of the Sales Team of the Year Award um, and our our entry was to expose that and to really talk about some of the work that we do kind of in the technology and tool side of the business. Um, I think um, for I think for us the the um, what we do now and what we will continue to do for the foreseeable future is um, more of the same um, in terms of, you know, where a, um, I, I guess to some extent we sort of perceived as being new and we've kind of established a position in the market, but it's, there's not really a, that is the transformation. Um, if you like where now it's just a matter of us working with more brands, working with more publishers and kind of creating uh, a more mature and developed proposition. I mean, it's interesting looking at the, Entry we um, in the judging period uh, for sales team of the year we we were working with I think three hundred and eighty odd brands um, through that period um, just this quarter alone it's four hundred and seventy five um, so the the am- amount of kind of momentum and growth that we've had you know will just continue going in the same direction um, in terms of other awards outside of us and and I guess what we've done there was a couple that on the night that um, really jumped out for me one was the um, just from its pure simplicity was the shelter 
um, uh, award um, with Yonder and above and beyond that it was just in, in, in its execution, so simple, but then so effective um, where um, they're essentially using YouTube um, to, um, uh, uh, I guess, um, broadcast a, a, a fire uh, and then put all the um, revenue generated to, um, to, towards shelter. I just thought that was fantastic uh, in terms of simplicity. And then the other one that I think probably a lot of people um, thought the same was uh, the, uh, 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 the Ring My Bell uh, Award. Um, which I just thought was fantastic, mainly because I remember hearing it as the audio cue. I think that was kind of what's you know so much a part of the the uh, the um, uh, concept um, that I thought was really effective. But um, that one was just a real uh, real cracker. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think I completely agree with you, um, Laura. What other work did you uh, notice on the night? Be it ring my bell or I mean, you couldn't else. miss ring my bell, could you? No, you couldn't. <laughs> couldn't move for ring my right. bell. Yeah, you couldn't move for ring my bell, which was um, like rightly it was. Like, I think the thing I did love about that campaign is how imaginative it was. It was, you know, I think the thing, you know, in our industry is you've you've still got to, you know, of course we're always borrowing from things that have gone in the past, but the stuff that gets recognized at media week is the stuff that is it's genuinely new innovation new invention like working with all of the new capabilities that we have at our fingertips all the time day in day out to to kind of break new boundaries and go to new places that haven't been like kind of you know explored before so i think um you know that was definitely a, a great piece of work i thought the other the other bits that were interesting for me there was a definite um kind of theme in the work that was recognized of um kind of representation of like typically underrepresented audiences. I mean, we still have so much work to do in our industry in terms of like actually representing the people that we're talking to and selling to. And I thought, you know, whether it was um, kind of the Channel 4 Diversity and Advertising Award, the work they're doing in Black to Front or some of the kind of campaigns that that come out of the back of that big push, it's, you know, it's something that the industry has been like very rightly focused on for a while now. And it's starting to really, you know, as you look through the shortlist of work, it didn't always win out in gold, but you can absolutely see it through um, the shortlist in a way that you, you know, you go back three, four years and it, it just wasn't there. Um, so I think it's absolutely right that, you know, the work that is pushing, it's, it's pushing the industry to be better and it's setting the right example for others to follow. I think there was, there was a, you know, a very like kind of positive theme of that coming through. And I was thinking the thing that stands out from those awards for me is the work that wins has got collaboration, like just written through it. Like, you know, whether, you know, the, the MG ring example is, it was a huge collaboration with ITV, you know, that, but, but not just, um, you know, of course, every bit of work that goes out the door is a collaboration of some sort, but it's the real deep collaboration where we're really making the most of um, the platforms and the content and the editorial that, you know, our media partners have um, is, is you know, really stood out, stood out in the work um, that, that won out. There was a lot of content partnership editorial, like focused work winning out big on the night, um, which... Um, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah, I think, you know, I definitely agree with that. I think, um, I think I noticed that, like, you know, I think purpose-led is mm. always like the phrase that I hear and whatever, but I think there was a lot of that, and, but with it all integrated in very naturally in a way that felt like organic and, um, you know, like genuine for the brand, like NatWest and yeah, Black to Front, which was like brilliant. And I don't think could be ignored in that sense. And then, because it created such a cultural impact, but then it was also fun to see like, the kind of ones that are a bit more um, 
like kind of just a little bit silly or like things like that, like all like just like a bit more fun and things. It's always like nice to see that too. Um, like I think the Cara one with, um, I think it was like the Whisper Gold, they played on like cryptocurrency and things and they made it into like an investment. I thought that was really fun. Um, but yeah, Damon, is there, were there any other trends that you spotted? I mean, I, th- I, I think it's probably been a theme of this year has been um, a lot of uh, focus around sustainability. Um, so I think a lot of the awards, um, you know, I, I sort of felt like they they had uh, an element, not a lot, some, some of the awards had an element of that, um, I guess, focus, acknowledgement, um, which I think is great. Um, uh, I, I expect we'll probably see more of that uh, in next year and the years to come. It'd be interesting to see what happens, actually, as we sort of go deeper into a cost of living crisis. And, and you know, I hate to use the R word, but uh, it sounds like a recession may be coming. Um, whether that changes the sort of media briefs that you're getting on your desk. Do you have a sense that it might or might not, Laura? Would next year's Media Week Awards, for example, look a little bit different in terms of the tone and, and the purpose of some of the campaigns? Look, I, we haven't seen it yet. I mean, I definitely think I mentioned it at the beginning about you know, this year felt like a return to the creativity and innovation invention that we want to see um, in the work versus the, you know, the couple of years of pandemic, you know, rightly businesses were having to adapt in ways they'd never had to adapt before. And therefore the briefs that we were getting and the work that was being produced was probably more practical. Um, and, you know, there was there was less like invention in there in lots of ways. Um, we certainly haven't seen that yet from our clients. I think we're clients are very much still coming out of the pandemic with a huge focus on creativity and innovation. And it's, you know, a recession is different from a pandemic, you know, and I think therefore, yes, there'll be more um, kind of scrutiny on how our work is um, driving business results for our clients. But I think there's a very fresh, very recent evidence base to say that pulling back marketing investment during a downturn is not the right thing to do from a business perspective. So, you know, we know that the brands that invested through the pandemic are the ones that gained share and have now held share. Um, so I think from that perspective, you know, of, of course, there will be, you know, there'll be some impact, but, you know, we're we're very much hoping from the conversations we're having with our clients that that evidence base really helps and then no from our from our client base at the moment we are still absolutely seeing clients gunning for um kind of category breaking creativity and innovation in the briefs and more so than ever i think the job for us and our clients is to understand how to get that right in the context of what people are living through um, and that's a tonal thing as much as anything else. Like people don't want to just see doom and gloom in the advertising that's shown to them. They don't just want a mirror held up all the time to what's going on in their worlds. Like there's definite moments for the right for the right brands to create those feel good moments, create those moments of levity and humor to you know to 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 do things like differently and keep that innovation going. So no, I I don't think I think next year's media week um, we might see a slightly different style of work from what we saw a couple of weeks ago um but i yeah i would i would i have a strong belief that that the creativity and innovation will stay and because it has to because that's what works yeah have you got anything to add damon no i mean well i think that's great because i you know it, we're here to be entertained um so like you say we don't want a, a mirror kind of necessarily put up i mean i i i guess the 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 impact that um, uh, a recession has on people and different parts of the industry it, it's kind of different for everyone. Um, 
I, I think the headlines that we're seeing at the moment with a lot of the social platforms and the tech companies letting go of people, I think, is more ref- as, as much reflective of the amount of the market that they control uh, and dominate as, a, as, as anything else. Um, uh, so I don't see that. I see it's kind of it's going to impact everyone, obviously, and there'll be a kind of a little bit of a softening. But but actually, there's still, um, as Laura says, there should should still be a lot of creativity, and innovation, and um, it'll be around the edges rather than you know, um, it's sort of hitting everyone in the center. Fantastic. Well, let's hope there is a lot of creativity and innovation in next year's Media Week Awards. Once again, uh, congratulations, Damon and Laura, and thank you so much for joining us. And also thank you, Sean. It was really lovely to have you on the campaign podcast. Just wanted to offer another quick thank you to the Media Week Award judges as well, um, who were expertly led by UM's Rachel Ford and TikTok's Trevor Johnson. That's all we have time for today. Thank you, Shauna, Laura, and Damon for joining us. The campaign podcast is produced by Aiden Lyons from Rethink Audio. If you'd like to keep up to speed with all of the top work in the industry, including the Media Week Awards and our other awards programs, as well as the latest going on at Twitter, Facebook, and other industry heavy hitters, please visit campaignlive.co.uk. Also, do remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave a lovely review. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, on behalf of the campaign team, goodbye. Goodbye.